you can't force a mindset change on somebody. I can't be like, hey, you're going to believe X. But if I can get you to stop believing Y or create doubt in Y and make X a possibility, now I'm moving you in the right direction. But I can't be like, hey, you're going to believe this. It's like, usually you have to create doubt around the thing they believe and or give them a perspective that they didn't see and go, huh, I never saw it that way. And when they do, they have to make that internal shift themselves. And so that's the key is like, trying different strategies. Like I say, I think of like a toolbox, you're going to try a whole bunch of different tools to try to help them make that shift. And this one may not work. Okay. Seven levels don't work. Okay, great. Let's try worst case scenario conversation. Does that one work? No. Okay. Let's try it and keep going through them to find, does that not work? Then try like enclosed cognition. Does that work? And then you just keep going through these tools. And if you think of them like glasses with different color frames, you just keep switching the frames until you, oh, Oh, now I see the situation and now you can make the shift. And that's what I like about mindset coaching or coaching in general. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Scott Peckford here. This is part two of an interview I did with my brother, Corey Peckford, from his podcast, Investing in Calgary Real Estate. Have a listen to the second part. And if you haven't heard the first part yet, go back and listen to that first. Before we jump into that, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers. It's very easy to use for borrowers, easy for brokers to use as well. It's got some cool features like smart docs. It knows what documents the person needs based on how they fill out the app. It's got smart submission notes, so it pulls key data from the app to send to your lenders. And all around, the feedback from the people that I have introduced to it have said it's been really, really easy to use and very slick. Check it out at lendescom slash binmo and check out this conversation with my brother, Corey. Being brothers, you know, we're, we have similarities and there's definitely differences in us, but I think that's pretty similar to where I can dig in and just go for something almost like just to prove someone wrong, basically. I don't know where that comes from, but maybe being yeah, military. Yeah, it, it's a thing I've learned about from coaching adults for so long. I mean, I've been coaching is that everybody has a different like why. And you have to figure that out for you. This is what motivates me. But some people are motivated by completely different things. And so if you don't have that drive, you got to keep digging to understand why. And a great exercise is actually to ask yourself why seven times. Why are you mortgage broker? Why? Because I want to help people. Why? because I just think it feels good to help people. Why? Well, because, and you just keep digging. Eventually you'll get to the real reason, but usually the first two to three answers are just surface. They're not actually the real reason. Yeah. It might might uh, be probably just a financial goal or something that someone would throw out. Right. You probably see that quite a bit. Yeah. So I saw, I'll give you an example of this. So I was coaching this girl and she was a fairly new mortgage broker. And she was like, I'm like, why do you want to be a mortgage broker? She goes, cause I want to be able to support my family. I said, why do you want to support your family? Well, because I want them to be able to, you know, have things. I'm like, why do you want to have things? Well, because, you know, I don't want them to be needy. Why do you want, just keep like you keep asking it? Finally, I get down to the point. I'm like, why does that matter? And she's like, well, because growing up, my mom and dad got divorced. And when they did, my mom was almost destitute and she was trying to take care of us. And I'm concerned that if something happened to my relationship, I want to have something to fall back on. I was like, boom, there you got your why. I'm like, you can't pick up the phone because you want to do whatever. You put a picture of your kids there and say, it's not about me. It's about my kids. And so for her, once she got to the core of it, which was, she has this wound of, I saw what happened to my mom during that. And she said, my relationship and everything's fine. But like, I saw it happen to my mom and I don't ever want to be in that situation where I was literally like, we were stressed out as kids. I'm like, now we're getting to the core of why you want to do this. And once you get that level of motivation and leverage on yourself, now you can motivate yourself when you don't want to be motivated because you just go back to that moment of like, yes, this is why I'm doing this. But most people don't do that much digging. And because they don't, they don't have much leverage on themselves emotionally. And so then they don't do the thing they need to do. That makes sense. 
Yeah, it does. Yeah. I should do that for myself as well. I'm definitely probably more on the surface level with my whys. I'm not digging deep enough. There's a website called Seven Levels Deep, and it's basically just asks you why seven times and you got to write in your answer. So uh, <laughs> and seriously, it doesn't go. I don't think it saves or anything. It's just like an exercise, like seven levels deep. It's very interesting when you get in there, like what's underneath, what's actually driving you, right? And you can do that almost for anything, right? Like yep. for your career or for maybe a relationship, you can probably do a why on almost anything. Yeah, you just have to be willing to be completely vulnerable with it. And that's the key. You know, I had another guy, I'll tell you one of the quick story who I was coaching. He was also a new mortgage broker. He was struggling, man. English was in second language, didn't have a sales background. Not, it was not a sales guy. And we were giving him all this tactics and stuff and like laying everything, like step, do all these things. And he still wasn't getting it. And then all of a sudden it shifted. He's just like, the guy just takes off. Dude, like what happened, man? Like you were kind of like, I didn't think you were going to make it. Now all of a sudden you're just, you know, you've turned a corner. And for him, what he did was he did an exercise where he thought to himself, he's like, if I don't get this business going, because he had left his other career, we're going to be in financial trouble. Fear is not a bad thing sometimes to motivate. It's that you don't want to run on fear as a fuel all the time, but it can definitely be a great way to get you going. So he's like, if I don't get my business going, we're going to have financial troubles. If we have financial troubles, I'm going to sell our place. If we sell our place, I'm going to have to sit down with my kids and tell them, hey, we got to move. And he pictured himself sitting down with his boys and they're going to say, dad, why do we have to move? And even just thinking about this just gets me at a, like a core level, just like, a, like I get goosebumps even thinking about it now. And he's like, I'm going to tell them, daddy doesn't want to pick up the phone and talk to people. That's why we have to move. And he's like, I'm not having that conversation. Once he did that, once he went through that exercise, now the guy is like totally fine. The guy's got a fantastic business, making a couple hundred grand a year and had no sales background, no mortgage knowledge before, but he needed to get really clear on what is the worst possible outcome. Do I want to go there? And he got real with himself and he didn't. And so sometimes that's what it takes. So whatever it looks at seven levels deep or get to the point where you're like, let's go to the worst possible scenario and picture that, visualize it, make it emotional and use that as your thing to get going. He doesn't need that to run day to day. Like now his business, he's got the confidence and confidence, but he needed it at that time for sure. So it's a long answer to your question. I don't know what your question was, but that's what, that's what we got. Hey man, that's great. Actually, you kind of just made me think about how you gamified cold calling with one of your programs. So that's like call reluctance, right? Or, you know, we all kind of run into it as self-employed when you're trying to grow your business. But so can you kind of maybe explain that what you created? Yeah. So one of the things that we experimented with, this was when I was still a mortgage broker, I had some buddies and I were like, we need to make calls. And we go to every these conferences and we got to make phone calls. We're like, oh, I don't want to make calls. Uh, I don't want to call my client. I don't want to call. I don't want to call realtors because a mortgage broker. I don't want to call my clients. I don't want to call anybody. And so then me and two buddies, they're both actually in Alberta. So I'm in BC. They're both in Alberta, mortgage brokers there. And so we said, let's come up with a contest. We're going to make calls and compete for a steak dinner. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I thought, oh, let's call it Game Phones because Game of Thrones was popular at the time. And it just made me laugh. And I made the scoring system points for voicemails, talks, and leads. And so we shared a spreadsheet and we would go in there and I'd see what they're doing. And let me tell you, every single one of us, our businesses went through the roof. I was like, wow, I can't believe how well this worked. Because we gamified something that we didn't want to do. It turned into like making a huge difference in all of our businesses. So fast forward, this was when I was a broker. When I started coaching, I was like always thinking about, I always ask myself the question, if somebody put a gun to my, this is, I always use extreme examples to motivate myself. So I put a gun to your head and you had to, you know, come up with a program to make people successful as, you know, in 10 weeks, what would you get them to do? And I was like, I'd get them to do this, this thing we did, game of phones, right? So we put that into our training company. And when we'd survey people, we had a $10,000 10-week program 
And we'd ask them, what was the biggest impact? It was Game of Thrones, like almost always. So I was like, hmm. And that was just, here's the scorecard. Go make your calls and come back and tell us how you did every week. So we didn't actually do it with any accountability. Then a few years ago, we hit on this idea of why don't we do them live? Because now with Zoom and stuff, why don't we do them live as a group? We have the scoreboard everybody can see adjusting in real time. And why don't we have a coach there who's really good at it, who's got the microphone turned on so you can listen to his side of the conversation and how things go. And that has taken it to the next level. And so that is how Game of Phones kind of rolled into this, you know, thing that has been amazing for mortgage brokers. But you got to show up at the end of the day. It's like, you know, you can have this fantastic gym. You can have a treadmill and a workout program. And you can get a workout program from buddy there, uh, Chris Hemsworth trainer. But if you don't go to the gym, it's not going to be any good. And so you still have to show up. But the people who show up have had really good success with it. So that's how that kind of came about. And now we run it for our brokerage as well, because, again, I just believe in the concept so much. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm sure other people probably have heard about this and probably incorporated. And it's like pushing through those barriers or that reluctance, right? And making it a competition and a game and trying to turn it into something a bit more fun than dreading, you know, picking yeah, up. Yeah, you can. So you can motivate yourself with this levels deep. You can motivate yourself with, you know, and for me, I was, I was just wanting to not lose. I made like 20 some thousand dollars that month. This is back when mortgage was much smaller and the money was not motivating enough. It was not losing to my friends was more motivating than the money. The money was actually not the thing that got me. It's just weird. So you have to figure out what that button is on yourself, you know? And so in that case too, there's some built-in accountability too, right? Like if your buddies are showing up and they're doing it, it's going to be like, man, I got to show up and, you know, perform too. Yeah, totally. I kind of want to circle back now on your podcast because I don't want to just kind of brush over it quickly. It is pretty significant what you've done. I'm currently at like 35 shows and, you know, I'm like a junior podcaster, but for yourself, like looking at your show, I love mortgage broking. You're getting close to 500 shows. Like that's pretty wild. Like you got any thoughts on your 500th show or you got anything unique you're going to do for it or. No, I didn't even realize that actually. So thank you for telling me uh, <laughs> that I was getting that high, but I think, um, well, your show is doing amazing. So I have to say like, you know, from what I've seen you do in your 35 shows, the growth that you've had is awesome. And the feedback that I get, I know your producer does my show too. And so she listens to your shows when she's editing them. She's like, his shows are really good. Like, so you're putting effort into them. If I could do anything, if I had a bit more time, you know, I'd like to do a bit more research on my guests and stuff if I could, but like, that would be probably it. And then I plan to use YouTube more. So like one mistake I made, if I think back about podcasting is I probably should have started YouTube at the same time, just turned on cameras and life would have been easy, but I didn't. And so that is something I plan to fix. So, yeah, you know. And it, how hard was it to stick with it? Like, did you have times? Uh, no, it's oh, not. Dude, I almost nuked it so many times, so many times. Like, you know, I think at a hundred episodes, I was like, I, at, even at a hundred, I was like, I was not making any money from it. It was just, I was learning stuff and meeting people. Every month I was spending money to get people to edit it and produce it. And I almost quit it. And Shannon said, no, no, don't quit. You, for some reason you started it, stay with it. And I was like, okay, fine. Cause I was like so busy with mortgages and not much long after I got a sponsor to cover my cost of my production. I wasn't making money. I was like, oh. It's at least not a negative, right? And now it's like, you know, it's been an engine that's made me, you know, a decent amount. Certainly not a hundred million dollar coaching company like Buddy there, but it's definitely been very helpful for me in my niche of what I'm trying to do. Obviously for people building rapport with you and learning and, and you're big on collaboration too, right? So where you're, you learn something maybe from a mastermind group or something and, yeah. and you're totally all about like, hey, let's share this, let's refine this and make it better or like, who else has ideas? Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is like you give your best ideas to other people and then like they'll come back sometimes. And I've given my best ideas to like rookies and they'll come back and I'll be like, dude, that wasn't in the manual, but that was what you did is better. Like sometimes 
you know, it's not better. I'm like, okay, it didn't work because you changed it too much. You changed the recipe. And I'm like, no, that wasn't a good idea. But I'm agnostic in terms of where good ideas come from. If the garbage man walked by and said, hey, I got an idea for your thing. And if it's a good idea, I'm like, we're doing it. I don't care where the idea comes from at all. I just like good ideas. And if you execute on them, do they work? That's more interesting to me than just like where or whatever. I have no ego for that stuff. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Just want to touch about mindset. I have a question. What is like some common challenges you've seen as a coach for people, to, you know, getting out of their own way? Um, well, I'd say in most cases, the thing that surprised shocked me is that the mindset is actually most of even what I do now is mindset coaching, even with my team. And mindset to me is like your perspective on a situation, like the guy who went from I don't want to make calls to I don't want to sit down with my boys and tell them we have to move because dad doesn't want to talk to a couple of people. That's a mindset shift. And so I find that most of my job now is helping people see things from another perspective. And then you can't force a mindset change on somebody. I can't be like, hey, you're going to believe X. But if I can get you to stop believing Y or create doubt in Y and make X a possibility, now I'm moving you in the right direction. But I can't be like, hey, you're going to believe this. It's like, usually you have to create doubt around the thing they believe and or give them a perspective that they didn't see and go, huh, I never saw it that way. And when they do, they have to make that internal shift themselves. And so that's the key is like trying different strategies. Like I say, I think of like a toolbox. You're going to try a whole bunch of different tools to try to help them make that shift. And this one may not work. Okay, seven levels don't work. Okay, great. Let's try worst case scenario conversation. Does that one work? No. Okay, let's try it and keep going through them to find, does that not work? Then try like enclosed cognition. Does that work? And then you just keep going through these tools. And if you think of them like glasses with different color frames, you just keep switching the frames until you, oh, Oh, now I see the situation and now you can make the shift. And that's what I like about mindset coaching or coaching in general and all the tactical stuff. If you get the right mindset, it doesn't even matter. Like you'll, you know, I've said before, and I think we have very good tactics and training and stuff that we've done, but if somebody has the right mindset, I literally can give them the opposite. I can try to set them up for failure. I give them like the worst possible advice and I call them in six months and say, how's it going? They're like, amazing. And I'll be like, huh? Because they would actually just figure it out. They'd be like, okay, it's not working. They wouldn't just quit after the, like, oh my gosh, and, and blame everybody. They would guaranteed in six months. I may have slowed them down, but I didn't stop them. All I do is slow them down because they're going to figure it out. There's nothing more important than our perspective and mindset on the situation, in my opinion. But um, yeah. so that's what I've kind of learned. And, and it's always easier for me to coach somebody else than myself. So to saying all this is that I still can't coach myself. I, you know, and so I have a couple of buddies that are fantastic. And so when I have a situation, I'll get on a phone call with them and I'll say, Hey, what do you think? And then they'll tell me stuff and they'll be like, you're totally right. Like, man, I didn't see that. And so I need that too. Right. So the thing a coach does is if you imagine you can't read the jar label from the inside. And so with your situation, my friends, some of my other buddies who are coaches, they'll look at the situation outside and for them, it's so obvious. And I'm like, and once they tell me, I'm like, Oh, you're totally right. I missed that because I was too close to it. And so you all need an outside perspective from time to time to like, help us see things that we don't see. And I think that's what a good coach will do. But yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Now I want to just kind of the last part of the show, I want to talk about Bricks Mortgage. So people can just kind of give us like a little insight of how that started and maybe obviously started as an idea and now it's growing into a pretty significant company. So how did it start and what kind of triggered you to get it going? So, oof, man, basically, initially, I was, I've said two years ago, you would have asked me if I started a brokerage, you'd be like, hell no, I, that's the last thing I want to do. And yet, here I am, you know, with the brokerage is growing like crazy. And I sort of stumbled my way into it. And like a lot of things, I did the training company, love training, but our training company was always for brokers that made at least 100 grand a year or more. And they wanted to go to 200,000 or 200, want to go to 400. I mean, I had a guy I met at a conference who was making 250 grand a year. And he came up to me and he's like, Hey man, I just want to shake your hand. I'm like, cool, man. What's up? He's like, 
well, I met you, I was doing this. And then the year last year did 2.5 million. I'm like, dude, like, I can't take credit for that. It's like, who wore it better? Like you wore it way better than me because I never got my business that big. So I never changed rookies, but I had so many rookies reach out to us and say, hey, Scott, can you help? And I'm like, because rookies are really hard. There's a high failure rate. And I was like, I don't know if I can handle the high failure rate. So we ran an experiment and it kind of worked, but it only worked for a small percentage of the rookies. And it was because they didn't have all the rest of it. They showed them how to sell and how to you know, do conversations. But if you don't have good support in the back end, it won't work. And so I thought the only way to solve this was actually to create a brokerage for training where people would come and we would show them how to find and fund their first 10 mortgages. And from there, they would then go wherever they want, go to any brokerage, go back where they came from. That was the initial plan. But two things happened. One, they didn't want to leave, which I didn't think about. I'm like, all right. They're like, we don't want to leave. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shoot. And then the second thing was, is I had some friends who do lots of volume go, hey, can I join your company? And I'm like, yeah, but like, you're not going to want to join it on the split the rookies are on. And so that led me to create the brokerage. And I answered, I asked myself the question, how would I create something I would want to join? And then I went back and just started work backwards from that question. If I was a broker doing 50 mil a year or 60 mil a year, what would I create that I personally would be like, sign me up in a second. And that's what we focused on. And we have been recruiting like crazy ever since we made that shift. So as I say, 1.5 billion in, you know, in 2022. So Amazing. And I can totally see how you've infused, you know, all your personal coaching and experience and training, all that stuff. And now you've basically, you're pouring that and using some of that in your brokerage, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. Like we have mindset coaches in our brokerage and we, all the stuff that I've learned from, nothing is wasted. Everything is layered back into this in a new, in new way. The thing I like about the brokerage over the, even the, being a mortgage broker, being a coach is that I can do things at scale. I could never do before. Like we're able to create unique solutions and things that, for me, I felt like it's a new level in the video game. It's like, oh, I met this new, I'm like, oh my gosh, we can combine this and this. And like, there's so many creative options available now that we're bigger and the bigger we get, all of them benefit our brokers. And so every deal that I negotiate or put together helps our agents, which it scales so much better than just working with a small number of people. So that part I like. Super cool. And your corporate culture too is because it's not the brick and mortar. We're going to have real estate and have a building in, in every city. It's cloud-based, right? Yeah, it's cloud-based, so we're completely virtual. We have like a virtual office. We've got a virtual boardroom. I mean, one of my girls, she's got a virtual corner office. I didn't change her. <laughs> Loren's corner office, she shows up like, oh, I'm in the corner office. Like, everybody, you get a corner office. It's like, oh, Loren, you get a corner office. And you get a penthouse office. And you, whatever you want, man, we spare no expense in our virtual offices. <laughs> Instead of spending money on office space, we split it into tech and support. Because again, we think that's what matters to our agents. And that's the priority. I was meeting with somebody who owns a brokerage, a national brokerage, a couple weeks ago in, in their fancy office in downtown Vancouver overlooking every look beautiful. And I was like, and he kind of said, he's like, well, you guys should come in with your virtual offices. And he's basically like, I'm like, whoa, whoa dude, like this is your, like, truthfully, half the cubicles were empty, half the offices were empty. They're spending a lot of money for something that is not helping their agents in any meaningful way, in my opinion. But that's their choice, not mine. So whatever. For sure. You put together, if you don't mind speaking about it, like I know you've done like kind of almost like meetup or group events where you will pay for some tickets or an event. And so people can yeah, still yeah, so get we together. We call block parties. So like instead of putting money into office space, what we do is say, hey, look, if you guys want to get together once a month in your markets and a bunch, if enough, we get together, we'll put 25 bucks a person towards it. So if they went axe throwing or they went to the Jays game or they went to bowling or they, and all we're doing is taking the virtual community because we've been growing so much and then creating like the collaborative community of getting together. And they've appreciated that because they see that we care about, you know, them beyond just, they're not just, you know, a number to us. And we think it's a great way to like, just get people together, right? And so that's something we've seen great feedback on. 
Yeah, I think that's amazing. And I think it's really important because virtually you can connect better than a phone call, but it's still not like a face-to-face, you know, going out and yeah, having, having like, a, you know, having some wings or going bowling or so you get to just a bunch of the non, like, I don't know, you need both. So can you share maybe a couple of innovations you're currently working on? Something that would be kind of more leading edge. So uh, the big one right now is AI tools. So we have about 180, probably that was the last thing, it's probably more like 200 training videos that we have for every topic you can imagine. And so we have an AI tool that is going to be coming out very soon called Janet. And so it's called Ask Janet. And if you don't ever watch The Good Place, Janet is the AI that you ask Janet. And then it's like, she knows all the answers. So it basically <laughs> uses ChatGPT's engine, and then it uses our proprietary data set of training and so I can say, hey, how do I leave a voicemail? Janet, how do I leave a voicemail that gets a callback? And Janet's like, oh, there's at least two different ways to do it. And, and then here's the references. And you can jump right to the spots in the actual training so that you can then get answers faster. And so that's something that we're pretty excited about because if the agents can get answers quicker, right, and get coached in, by an AI instead of like, well, we're happy to coach them too, but it'll be just more effective for them. They can literally do it at midnight if they have a question. And, yeah. What do I do if I get this objection? What do I say? Oh, here's some ideas. And then here's my references. And so that's what's been something we're pretty excited about. I think that's super cool. Like that'll be like you're saying late at night or weekend or is this all real time, like right at your fingertips? Mm-hmm. That will be live within the next couple of weeks. It'll be certainly before the end of May. We've already tested it. It works. We just need to put it inside our members area where all of our agents are so that it's you know proprietary to them. So that's all that we're waiting on. Amazing. And, now, and then are you in all the provinces already in Canada or are you still, no. still expanding across? So probably some red tape and stuff, right? Man, some of these regulators are insane. So like, it's like, oh, you've got to like sign it with paper. You got to send it folded three times. No more. You can only have once. Like, it's so ridiculous. You got to pee in a cup. Like what? Like, so <laughs> some of them are so insane that, so yes, by the end of the year, we'll have every province. Uh, I've no doubt, but they definitely, it's not a fast process because one of them said, where are your agents going to work? I'm like, we're virtual. What is it like work from home? Like, what does it matter? We got a mailing address. You need to send us something, you know, I'll sign something. If I need to come to your province to, if you have an issue, you want to talk to me, I'll come out there. But like, this is the kind of weird, you know, they're stuck in like 1983 or something. Yeah. I've seen that before actually. Like, What's your fax number? What the heck do you need? Like, I don't want a fax number. We don't have a fax. We don't, I mean, we do, but like, that was one of the issues we ran into was like, you need a fax number. Like, please God, don't send me a fax. Like, <laughs> I remember when I, when I was just uh, downtown trying to get information about my pension when I was leaving and uh, same thing, everything had to be faxed. And then even the paperwork they wanted you to fill out, they needed to mail it to me as opposed to just send me a blank copy. I could print it out and fill it out. I, it had to be mailed to me. I'm like, Oh my God, like, could it be any more painful? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is the problem with bureaucratic systems like, you know, often regulators, somebody puts a policy in place and then no one ever questions like why they don't think about the customer experience or like it doesn't matter. They don't care. You know, nothing. It's just I couldn't work in there at all. I would literally, you know, pull my hair out if I had to work in a place like that. For sure. Um, yeah. No kidding. And then plans to go into the U.S. in uh, maybe the yeah. what, how yeah, far sure. do, you, do you see that? Well, hopefully within the next couple of years, like I've already had conversations with, you know, US brokerages and stuff, but we need to get the Canadian market dialed first. So for me, it's the most important thing is get every province dialed, get our operations tight. You know, our lender relationships are important. And then yes, we're going to cross into the US. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. We're getting close to the end. I'm going to hit you with a few just quick answer questions. So I know you love quotes. So what's a favorite quote of yours? I got a lot of them, but one that I always go back to is Zig Ziglar's. You can have anything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. 
And so I like that because it's like, if we help our agents be successful, our company's successful. I don't pay attention to my competition. I don't give a crap what they're doing. Like, you know, somebody said, oh, I think they're copying near this. I'm like, don't care. doesn't matter. Like, it's irrelevant. If they're half as obsessed with taking care of their agents as we are, then they're going to do fine. If they're not, then they should worry because they're going to lose their people. They're at least they're going to lose their good people. I don't want their bad people. I don't want them. You know, yeah. you can keep all the bad ones. I just want your good ones. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of them I don't care about. For sure. And then how about a movie or a book? Anything recent that you liked and would recommend? Uh, well, one of my favorite movies that I've watched like a dozen, it's just going to sound ridiculous, is movie Megamind, which is a <laughs> cartoon for kids. And I love that movie. It's uh, got Brad Pitt, Tina Fey, Jonah Hill. Um, Will Ferrell. It's a hilarious movie. And so I literally know, I bet you I could almost do the entire movie. I know every line, like a little kid who can watch like a movie they've seen. <laughs> I can almost repeat every line of that movie. Like it's, I've seen it that many times when my kids and I still probably watch it once a year with my kids. I'm like, we got to watch Megamind. And they just, you know, in fact, I like it so much so that when he takes over the city, because Megamind takes over the city, he gets on his desk. He takes over the mayor's desk and pushes everything off. And he drops a big evil overlord desk sign. And so my kids got me one of those for Christmas. And so I have an evil overlord signed to my desk because I'm so, you know, mega mindish. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to have to watch it again. It's been a number of years for me. And how about, where do you want to travel it? Maybe on a bucket list. Some of you haven't been, but you kind of really want uh, to. Machu Picchu. So that's like in Peru where you climb up to the mountains where they have that city built on the top of the hill. I'd like to go there someday. That's on my list. Where else do I want to go? Nashville. I want to go check that out. I've heard that place is pretty cool. There's a lot of places I'd like to go, but like right now, all I'm doing is working, man. All I'm doing is like head down, go, and uh, that's it. I don't have any specific places I'm going to go to. Yeah. And, and when you're also traveling for work, obviously at conferences and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I know, yeah. For sure. Well, hey, thanks, brother, for being on my show. I liked the fact that I didn't tell you any questions ahead of time, just to, I knew you'd be amazing regardless. So, well, yeah, you're asking me questions like you didn't ask me stuff that like, hey, Scott, what do you think about the Calgary market? I'm like, I don't know. I think it's probably pretty good, but like I couldn't give you anything more specific than that. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, different format for my listeners too. Not really on real estate investing, but I think people that listen would definitely, you know. Sure. Well, yeah, learn, I've learned and hey, again, if you are listening to this show, I tell you that like, I know that you're doing amazing things with it and your feedback from your clients and, you know, the investor clients and stuff has been awesome. So, you know, go back and listen to the previous episodes because there's tons of gold in this thing. And Nikki is a connoisseur of podcasts. So she's our producer and uh, she's like, no, it's good stuff. So if she says it's good, she wouldn't tell me that it wasn't good. She'd tell me. So I encourage you guys to, if you're, this is your first time stumbling into this show, this is not the normal format. Go back and listen to the investing in real estate stuff. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Okay. Thanks, man. If you're listening to this, I encourage you to go check out ilovemortgagebrokering.com. You can set up a free power search account and you can keyword search all of our past episodes, anything that we talked about, and you can find exactly in every episode where we talk about it. The only trick I would tell you is make sure you go full screen mode because you can see it better and you can see the text because it's all transcribed as well. Check it out at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. And thanks again for listening to this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.